welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. My daddy. And here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jerry Springer. Oh my God! Oh, I'm, I'm so embarrassed. I'm wearing this same. Uh, sweater I wore in the last podcast. It's so embarrassing. <laughs> Notice that. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Hey, but, by the way, is yes. it true that your... Um, remember you were telling me about your Uncle Leo mm-hmm. the other day? Yeah, and gosh, I haven't seen him in years. And Didn't you tell me that he called you all, like all excited? Hillary won, Hillary won. And, and it's true. You told me this and you said, what are you talking about? Yeah. And he says, well, I heard it on the news. But then we found out he has a hearing aid. Is that not true? And he told you something about his hearing aid. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, and and, and he's, uh, he's very excited about his hearing aid. He Don't was it. talking more about that than he was talking uh, about Hillary. About, about Mistakenly, Hillary. thank you. Mistakenly. Hillary. And he's telling me, I got to tell you. I'm going to. Oh, he went on and on. This is the finest hearing aid money can buy. <laughs> I said. <laughs> really? Well, really? Uh, you know, I'm trying to keep it. Oh, yeah. What kind is it? Four o'clock. <laughs> we can't, you people. Okay, you have got to stop laughing. Yeah. There's a woman you in the front row here who I yeah. have to. It's it's no, so my psychiatrist. Okay, you get tired, but my psycho- psychiatrist told me I'm crazy. I said I want a second opinion. He says, "Okay, you're ugly too." There we go. <laughs> you have to tell the. Actually, this has been a big week for me. Really? Oh yeah, I didn't tell you. Yeah, I, honestly, I signed a new cable contract. Really? Yeah. Thank you very much. How many channels do you get? No. Oh! Heckler's in the audience. (laughs) The real punchline is next Thursday they're going to install it. (laughs) Well, you know. What's the difference? Yeah, that's funny. It, It makes me think of. I've done a lot of stuff. Nothing makes you think. (laughs) No, that's true. I've done a lot of stuff in my life. Yes. Oh, gee. And uh, and one of the things I did, you know this, I've told you about it, is I've been a college professor. Yes. And I was for a number of years. And then you taught at Xavier. Yeah, I know. Uh, boom. That's my alma mater too, Jay. Nice going. (laughs) I was teaching my class at the university Mm -hmm. one day, and I taught, I I stopped since I started doing the podcast, but I taught in the graduate school, uh, at a graduate school at Xavier. So a lot of my students were adults, and it would not be uncommon for a woman who was pregnant might be in the class. That happened on occasion. And I remember I was giving an exam one time, and there was a woman who was pregnant, and everything's quiet. Everybody's working on this exam, and I see her kind of go into distress. She's grabbing her stomach, and I ran over and I said, are you okay? And she says, yeah, my baby just kicked. I said, man, that, I'm sorry about that. She says, yeah, me too. Usually he sleeps in this class the same as I do. <laughs> Can we start the podcast now? <laughs> hey, listen to this. Well, I'm, I, I, I have no choice. I'm not even looking at you. Hey, I, I can't even tolerate your listen face. Listen to this. What? What's that, Gene? Last episode. Uh-huh. Melania Trump, that was previous to last episode, <laughs> I know. Yeah. called in. Yeah. 
She doesn't call in the show. She calls in to the answering machine in so the I, podcast office. I have this like mental image of her like crouched in a bathroom. That's the way it sounds. Because <laughs> I think she said on the last don't, one, yeah, the don't first tell one, Donald. don't tell Donald. Yeah. Her not, bathroom is bigger than your house. I promise you it is. Probably so. <laughs> but she said, I heard it, I remember it. She said, Donald is no longer allowed to tweet. To tweet. And I am told I must stop my late night phone calls. You right. must do this. So I uh, talked to David before the show, and I said I had forgotten about it. Has she, by any chance, I'm hoping like hell she had, left any more messages? He said, right, David? Yes. He's saying David Prusso of Ambient Studios, our technical producer. She has. So I begged him, can you somehow, however you do it digitally, pull that off of my machine and get it onto the podcast? And I think he has it. Would you please play it? Sure. This, this is Melania, Melania Trump. Trump. This is I want to just hug her. The first lady to be. Voicemail number two. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Hello, Terry. It is Melania. I watched your television show yesterday, and I have a question. When Tyrone said he'd do sex with priest's mother, was this this man turned into a woman? I There was so much shouting and things going on and wigs flying everywhere. I did not hear, and it made me not sleep well. Well, my family is starting to pack and move into the big white house, and I am starting to help my Donald write his big speech. He will dedicate it much to helping our America, and he would be so dedicated to all of the peoples, both living and the dead. So I wrote this for him, for his take-office speech. It is for us, the living. We here dedicated to the great task remaining before us, that from these honored dead, we take increased devotion to that cause for which they are here. Gave Jeez. the full last measure hold of on, David, devotion. David, can you hold it a second? <laughs> yeah. That's the Gettysburg Address. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it? Am I wrong? Play some more of that. Listen, yeah. put that in your head, the Gettysburg Address. Keep playing we that. We here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain. That's the Gettysburg Address. had a new rich birth of freedom. And that the government for the people, by the people, and from the people shall not perish from this <laughs> earth. Well, tell me what you think of it, Jerry. I hope you love it. We talk soon, man. Bye-bye. That's Melania Trump. That's the Gettysburg She's reciting address. the Gettysburg address. plagiarizes every... She just doesn't know. God love her. Yeah. How do you think it happens? Do you think she was like just stumbling reads, upon, she reads yeah. Yeah. upon stuff? It's what sticks. And somehow I guess. it relates to a concept she has of what he should say. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, she's not off. It's just not hers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And that's Aww. tight writing, by the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When you hear that, that's tight writing. Yeah. That's Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, it's and that's good writing. <laughs> so you know it's then good. You wrote a book. I know we talked about it on another. But Abe, not good but writing. Abe didn't help me. <laughs> no. no. So what was her name? Laura Morton. Laura Morton. Yeah. So, well, gee, be it would have been interesting if I wondered because you read a lot. If she would have put in front of you, ghost wrote for you something that ends up being. You know, the well, Martin Luther King, I have a dream speech, or well, the Gettysburg I, Address. Or... Well, I just remember the first line of the book that I wrote. Uh, yeah, was it? Ask not what your country <laughs> can do. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. That's how I started. You know. I thought it had a ring to it. Yeah, that's yeah. Something I've heard. Um, hey, by the way, the 
Million Woman March. Yes. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's talk about something yeah. for a second. Because in the last episode, we talked about our, our audience of the Jerry Springer podcast and us as well joining a petition drive to try to get the Electoral College uh, approach to selecting yes. a president changed. There are some petitions going around, and we're going to put one on our website, and we're going to try to get people to go along with that. But listen to this. First of all, do you all know what the Million Woman March is? It's going to happen on January 21st, one day after the inauguration, January Mm -hmm. 20th. Yes. A million women or more are going to descend on Washington, D.C. in March to make a point that this philosophy that is arriving in Washington— behind Donald Trump, led by Donald Trump, of hating immigrants, women, women's reproductive rights, uh, African-American people, Native American people, Latino, Hispanic people, uh, Muslims, that we will not tolerate this. And and there is going to be a statement made. Now, let me just say this. My daughter, who my adult daughter from Orlando, Florida, my adult wife, from Ludlow, Kentucky, are both talking about going. Mm -hmm. And they don't march. This is a significant thing. Do you have to be a... Seriously, do you have to be a woman to march in that? I don't think so. I mean, I haven't heard... I mean, I'll go as a woman. (laughs) I (laughs) did. Yeah. I think... No, I got that blue spaghetti strap dress. Oh, my God. No, but uh, uh, on a serious note, on a serious note, in other words, everybody can join in. It isn't just women. You know, we'll double check that, but I'm pretty sure that they just want uh, sympathetic people, and obviously the vast majority will be women, but um, I think that's something that we should get behind, and we Mm -hmm. should get. Oh, I totally agree. Other people in It's interesting they picked the 21st the day after, logistically. That's going to be tough. Oh, it is, be- yeah. simply because you have all the, you know, the balls that night. You know, people are going to be getting up the next morning, mm-hmm. all these Trump people, and then in come a million. I think that might have been their point. Yeah. yeah. They want to be seen. There they, you go. And they're exactly. not going to disrupt the inauguration. Oh, I understand. Oh, no, I'm all for it. The festivities God bless the next him. Day. God bless him. I mean, all of us have been thinking since, you know, Tuesday night when the votes came in. It, this has been, this really has been different than any election in my lifetime. This is the only time in my life that I've ever seen a, an American election where, when it was over, people there are people that are really afraid, fear. That's the new emotion. Look, we've all you live long enough. We've all been in elections which we lose and we're frustrated or upset, even angry for a moment, and, you know, we get on and move on. That's what democracy is about. You win some elections, you lose some elections. But I never, I can't think of one incident through Vietnam, through Watergate, whatever else was going on, I never remember an election where after the election was over, people were afraid. And I think people are legitimately, not everyone, but there are millions and millions of people that are absolutely afraid of, of what might happen now. And Trump seems to be doing very little at this point to ease those fears. Now, the, what people are afraid about, the people who are afraid, 
is his attack, I'll call it, his attack on the First Amendment. And it isn't just his attack on the First Amendment during the course of the campaign. It's how it was picked up by his followers. Now, when you think of First Amendment, most of us initially think freedom of speech and freedom of religion. And, you know, it's almost become a cliche now, all the things he said about Muslims, you know, his, his, his attacks on uh, minorities, Hispanics, African Americans, uh, you know, disabled people, everything. But it, it just seems to being absolutely opposed to the idea that this country is for everybody. We're going to build a wall, the whole bit. And it's caught on. And it's caught on with millions of Americans. That's why they're afraid. Because if you just look at the headlines in the just the one week since, look at all the hate crimes that have been committed. <laughs> swastikas going up. A woman in a restaurant talking with her friend over lunch uh, about the election, and then a Trump supporter came by and punched her in the face. You were telling me earlier this afternoon about at Ohio State, some student is giving a talk standing on the steps. A Trump person comes flying down the steps, pushes him from behind, and pushes him all the way down the steps. He got arrested. And But all these people are afraid. And if you're a minority, there are reasons to be afraid. Now, it isn't just race. It's also the First Amendment, freedom of the press. And Trump seems to be serious about going after the media. And not just like a joke, oh, the media is against me. You know, politicians always say that. You know, they, whenever there's a bad article, a bad thing, a bad article about you or a report, you're always blasting the media. But no, he's serious about this. He's talking about lawsuits against the media, lawsuits against the New York Times, the Washington Post. He's banning. He's talking about banning. And Hannity, by the way, is supporting it, that... The New York Times, the Washington Post, CNN should be banned from the White House. Here's a story. When the day when he came to Washington, normally a president has a, or president-elect has a press pool following him around. And he did away with that tradition. No press pool following him. On a side note, do you know why there's a press pool? It's related to the story about how we've, the development of television news, actually. Back, and just go with me on this side trip just for a second. On November 22nd, 1963, there was a fella on a little weekend vacation in Dallas, Texas. His name was Zapruda, and he had a little home movie camera that he got for opening up a bank account. Remember back then they used to give prizes if you would open up a savings account at various bank banks, they'd give you a little prize. So he had a home movie camera. And he took his home movie camera, he heard that President Kennedy was coming by in a parade at, 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 that afternoon at noon. So he goes down to the Daily Plaza and he's there and all of a sudden here comes the motorcade and he turns on his little brownie home movie camera the pictures that he has 
of President Kennedy being shot are the only pictures that exist in the world of the Kennedy assassination. Any time you have ever seen those pictures with the, you know, the back of the president's head grabbing for the neck, uh, Jackie getting on the back of the car, you've seen it in newspapers, obviously, magazines, TV shows, textbooks, our kids grow up with it. They all came from this guy's home movie camera. That night, all three networks, back then we only had three networks, decided that never again would they miss a moment in history because they had none of this. And so that is when the newscasts expanded to a half hour each night. That's when they started to have reporters assigned to the president 24-7. The only time the cameras are not on the president is when he's in the bathroom or in the bedroom. Do you ever wonder why when um, uh, President Reagan was shot, why we have all those angled pictures of that? Think about it. He was in Washington, D.C. He was just coming out of a lunch that he spoke at at a hotel there. He literally was just walking across the sidewalk. There was absolutely no news to cover. It was just another day at lunch and giving a talk to some people. And yet we have all the pictures. Why? Every second of a president's day, except when he's in the bathroom or in the bedroom, the cameras are on. Some pool reporter is with him. They used to back then call it, sadly, the assassination watch because they don't ever want to miss it. We have another example of 9-11. When 9-11, imagine if you couldn't find the president, you couldn't find the people who were in charge. Well, Trump, a few days ago, tells the press that he's going to be staying that night in Washington. In fact, he got on his own plane and he quickly took off without any media and went back to New York. Now, if you're a private citizen, you can do that. But he's now president-elect, leader of the free world. We have to know where you are all the time. It could be a crisis. Americans have to know where the leadership is, what's going on. It's an example. I took you on this side trip because it's an example of the disdain he has for the concept of a free, even critical press in the United States of America. You cannot have democracy if you don't have a free press. Because if you don't have a free press, then voting means nothing for any office. Because the only way you can have in a country of 320 million people enough information to make a, a judgment as to what policies you want, what people you want in office, is because information is given to you. That's the job of the press even when it's biased, you know, then the chances are there'll be some reporters that are biased in the other direction. It's not perfect, but you have to have the free press. That is just as much a threat to our freedom as the racism. So what people are afraid of is, one, he doesn't seem to believe in this concept of a nation for all religions, all races, a welcoming nation, and two, he doesn't believe even in the fundamental issue of a free press. That's what distinguishes us from dictatorships, is that, you know, we have a free press here. Now, so people have legitimate 
reasons to be afraid. Certainly, if you're Hispanic, you're afraid. If you're Muslim, good Lord, you must be afraid. I mean, seriously. Think getting up in the morning, you walk down the street, everybody's staring at you. What a horrible feeling to live in a country where, you know, people just, it crosses your mind. Oh my gosh, you know, do they think I'm a terrorist? Do they think I'm un-American? Do I, all this stuff, it's horrible. They're afraid. And now, this, I just don't get it. He chooses as his chief advisor, his number one consultant, this Steve Bannon, who comes from Breitbart News, who is an admitted white supremacist. The paper has been the platform for white supremacy. His appointment, he just left it, by the way, about six months ago. His appointment has been cheered in the last two days by the KKK, the American Nazi Party, Richard Spencer, who is the head of the white supremacist, I think it's the White Supremacist Council, I may have the name wrong, but the white supremacist organization, uh, David Duke, every one of them, and, and the quotes they're saying is, finally we're going to have our ideas in the most powerful office in the land. How does that make anyone give up their fears? And Trump says, I want to bring people together. Of all the people in America, why would you choose him to be your number one advisor? I can't even come up with a conceivable reason. Don't tell me that's the only person that knows politics. Don't tell me that's the only person that's smart and conservative. You could get all kinds of people to fill that position. But a white supremacist? In the White House? Have we gone crazy? Here's what I think should happen. Here's what I want our media to get on Trump about and demand a response. If he's not going to get rid of him, then I think Stephen Bannon has to appear at a press conference before the American people and disavow white supremacists. He has to say, whatever my past has been, it is evil, it is wrong, I do not believe that this should be a, uh, a white-only country. I don't believe what I said about Jews, what I've said about Muslims, what I've said about all these religions, Hispanics, whatever. He has to renounce that. He has to do it. Otherwise, people are not going to stop being afraid. Because what is the argument for not being afraid anymore? If You know, sometimes people get afraid and we say, you have no reason to be afraid. You know, he wants to do a good job in the White House and he's going to, you know, and people will be reasonable in the end. He just wanted to get elected. I, I could even possibly believe that because people do those horrible things to get elected and then they turn out to be better. But even when I want to believe that, because I want a president to succeed, this is our country, I want it to work. But then the first thing you do is you get a white supremacist to be your advisor? I can't even, 
if someone said, I'll give you $10,000 if you, well, 10000 is nothing. If, <laughs> no. That was so if, Why do I do that? In a key moment, I just blow it. Think about <laughs> it, did you? No. But, you know, come up with an argument for it. What is the possible other side? Did you pick a white supremacist to be your number one advisor in the White House? The last person he speaks to every day. The person that sits in there on the national security briefings every morning. It's insane. And why are we just, ah, well, yeah, he picked him. No, I don't like the guy. I don't. He's got to renounce it. It is now Steve Bannon's responsibility to renounce it. Every time he appears before the press, before everything, before he makes one statement, the working press should demand, will you renounce white supremacy? Until we get that statement, we can't go any further. We can't go any further. This is what we ought to be united on. You want to be a conservative, you want to be a liberal, you want to, you know, we'll argue policies later. First, this is about what America is. And if we can't have that statement coming out of the White House, we have nothing to talk about. Uh, That's another cause we may take up, starting with a tweet about that, Jerry, because you have a lot of Twitter followers. And yeah. We're going to bring up Brian Olive. Let me tell you a little bit about Brian. Mm-hmm. He's our musical, featured musical guest for the evening. Uh, welcome, Brian. Thanks Hi. for being here. Thanks. And uh, Brian has uh, an album coming out this spring called Living on Top. And your career as a producer, mm-hmm. you, you, you write songs, you sing songs. We're about to hear some. But you produce some pretty good people, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I've been doing that uh, for about the past uh, five, six years, something like that. And for example, uh, you produced Dr. John's Grammy Award-winning Lockdown, right? I I played uh, and co-wrote that one. Played uh, and co-wrote? Yeah, yeah. And, but, and you've also produced the Tellers, I understand, and correct me if I get any of this wrong, and both uh, Electric Citizen albums, right? Yes, yes. And uh, you have a studio in Northside, which is a neighborhood in the Cincinnati area. Yes. Which is a growingly well-known neighborhood because it's an enclave of some very creative people. I keep talking about Ludlow. It's, I sometimes yeah. joke about Ludlow being Northside South. Yeah, it's similar, yeah, yeah. It has the same possibilities yeah, here. there's a lot of artists and people doing a lot of things. Yeah, yeah so we're real glad to have you uh, come here for the first time tonight. And uh, we'll start us off with a are song. You, are you, uh, just one quick yeah. are, are you looking for new acts to produce oh yeah always no. yeah no uh, <laughs> uh, you can't see this but jerry springer just raised his well, hand yeah. we'll talk after the show run <laughs> hey megan isn't it interesting <laughs> yeah, everything comes he did back. well yeah it does. All comes back and he him. and he has performed jerry springer has performed on two cds he oh. sure has and joe yeah. richard who's in the audience tonight brought in one uh-huh. and then i gave him we swapped uh, he <laughs> joe had an older one he, he got it on ebay around. for about 35 cents and then i had one that is a newer one but isn't it interesting he he just asked brian if he would produce him and he didn't say the jerry springer trio, trio. which you and i are part of right 
It's all very Jerry true. Springer Trio is a right. vintage folk trio. <laughs> Are you guys here every week? Right, I'm Megan. This is Jean. <laughs> yeah. Jean Galvin yeah. is how you pronounce You're it. Here. Megan Hills. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Hey, Brian, do a song for us, please. <laughs> Brian Alves. This, uh, Thanks, this song is called Say What You Want. It's on my, uh, my new album coming out this spring. When you found me, I didn't know I begin to see the mystery To end all my sorrow Say what you want
That song is called Say What You Want by Brian Olive. And Brian uh, has a, if you want to hear his music, you can go to brianolivemusic.com, O-L-I-V-E, brianolivemusic.com. And you have a recording studio as well in this neighborhood we've been referring to in Cincinnati, Ohio. Yeah. Called what? Uh, it's, we're building the studio now, uh, right. expanding on the old place. The old place was called The Diamonds, and this new one is going to be called Mount Saturn Recording Studio. Mount Saturn Recording Studio. Yeah. So if people wanted to get in touch with you, if they are either regional performers or otherwise... I guess they could do so, right? Maybe through your website? Yeah, yeah. The, uh, the website for the, the studio will be up soon, but if they want to contact me, there's a, a, a contact submission on the, uh, on the Brian, Brian Olive Music. Olive music. Yeah. Yeah. Do a second song for us, and what's it called? Uh, this song is uh, the, another song off uh, the new album. It's called It's a Lie. Okay. Music.com and uh, album coming out this spring, and we'll be looking for it. Uh, living on top. Would you take us out on Good Night, Irene? Sure thing. Would you let Jerry Springer sing with you? Like a, you can say no. Do yeah. yeah. I? Know, and I know which verse it is too. Yeah, yeah, because he only knows one verse. And if this works, you could produce it. Yeah. <laughs> You're gonna have to carry him, Brian. Last Saturday night, I got.
times I live in the country. He's singing all produced now. And <laughs> You've been listening to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Foolery, recorded live at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening song and to you for listening. Check out our website at jerryspringer.com. I'm